Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of Merchants of Novigrad, a podcast where we discuss everything went. My name is Weisenberg, and together with my bubbling co-host, Trovinat, we are be- we are joined by a competitive player representing Team Elderblood, who you may know from Twitch by the name of Gabane. How are you guys doing? Hello. Very well, very well. I'm we well as well. See the enthusiasm splashing off the screen right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but before we get into it, as always, a few words to people in chat. Guys, if you have questions uh, for either us or our guests, you can ask them in chat and we'll try to catch the more interesting ones and answer them during the show. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novgrad Podcast. And as usual, this episode is going to be uploaded on YouTube, Spotify, and a number of other platforms either later today or tomorrow. So if you can't watch it live, there is your chance. With that being said, let's move to the first segment of this episode, which is, as always, what have you been up to? So, Gabane, what have you been up to, my man? Uh, Gwent-wise, Gwent-wise, I've been up to making nice work, as I promised. I promised my viewers and I promised uh, my teammates I would uh, find a way to make nights viable. I'm not sure if I found it, but I took them to 2,500, so I guess it's something. So there are that, there are that. Uh, the secret is to not play the scenario and to not play the new leader ability, if you're wondering. Uh, at least it's my secret. So Gwent-wise, that's what I've been up to. I've been trying to keep my sanity without playing rent-free. And yeah, trying to make nights work. And other than Gwent, how, how are things? How is the pandemic situation in France where you currently reside? Uh, it's getting worse, actually. It's getting worse. Uh, we're afraid some more restrictions are going to come in. Hopefully they don't, but uh, we have many more new cases and... Uh, People are getting kind of worried. So am I. So I don't know. We'll see, I guess. We'll see. I'm trying to be optimistic. And how about you, Trovi? What's happening south of the border? Very, very busy in my personal life. But uh, that, that kind of means that I haven't gotten the time that I wanted to spend on, on stuff like Gwent and, and Rogue Mage. Um, but other than that, I'm doing I'm doing really well and excited to uh, have this conversation today about the the new cards. And not only uh, the new cards, because we also have a brand new game to discuss, which at the time of preparing this episode we didn't even know about. Nope, indeed, uh, that that came as an absolute surprise. I think to to everybody, just the timing as well. Yeah, that was a good surprise. I was very happy about that, especially since. Gwent is not its most fun state right now, let's say, so having an alternative was pretty cool. Yeah, I feel like this episode is going to bring bring back memories of Merchants of Negativity. Uh, I remember having a series of episodes um, somewhere around the time of Iron Judgment where our guests continuously were not exactly happy about Gwent itself. But to quote a, a, a famous Gwent proverb, uh, the worst part about streaming Gwent is having to play Gwent. So, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm actually very passionate about the game. So that's why that's why I'm a little bit annoyed because I love playing Gwent. You know, I actually unironically love. I jam so many games each season, and I'm having so much fun. That's why I'm getting so uh, 
so invested about the meta and stuff like that. I will actually do my best to remain positive because things are not as bad as they actually are, maybe. Well, that made no sense, but as I thought they are, I guess. And uh, yeah, I'm going to try to remain positive, but, I, but no promises. I mean, <laughs> so, I think, so are we. I think you bring up a good point. The fact that we are critical about the game just means that we care a lot about the game it's not yes. we wouldn't be doing that if we don't care about the game so that's something to keep in mind i think exactly once we go into the more yeah. uh, the more juicy details of the expansion and stuff like that oh yeah absolutely um, i'm not sure if you guys saw that meme um i think it was originally related to league of legends where um it, it, it was a series of drawings and the first drawing was like a mob throwing stones and saying this game sucks it's terrible i hate it and then one guy asked the other uh are you not playing league of legends yeah every day i love it <laughs> so yeah. so that's basically us yeah yeah one one does yep. not exclude the other yep 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 true true enough. all right um yeah, maybe we can we can dive into the the details immediately then in uh, in Gwent itself. So we did get, of course, the release of the brand new expansion. Um, and maybe the first question, Gabane, is more related to before we go into the cards themselves, related to the presentation and the marketing of the expansion itself, mm-hmm. such as the the reveal campaign we've did. Um, so, what was your first impression on that front? Um, interesting. So, honestly. Um, I did not watch too many card reveals, to be honest, because I I mostly just watched the cards themselves. Because I'm a competitive player, you know that that's that the one thing I, I try to figure out is whether a card is good or not. But the few card reveals that I watched seemed really good. I think the worst part about the card reveal season was. Um, that I did not get a card reveal. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I was actually not a partner back back then, so so it made sense. And also, I made my own card reveal. Since they didn't give me a card reveal, I made my own one. In case you missed it, I highly recommend checking it out. I revealed a very overpowered card called Heatwave Two. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's about it. Just to explain it to the audience, what did Heatwave Two do? Heatwave 2 was, uh, so basically my, uh, my, in my presentation I explained that uh, they were trying to fix a few problems with the game with Heatwave 2. One of those problems being that some old cards will never see play again and they wanted to make them, make them playable. But also uh, Heatwave was such a beloved and underplayed card that they decided to re-release it in a, bit, in a stronger way. Uh, obviously, I'm being ironic. Heatwave is one of the most played neutrals of all time. Uh, so this Heatwave two, it was called Corrasi Heatwave two. It was called it, it costed eight mana, uh, and it, in addition to in addition to Heatwaving, well, basically doing what Heatwave does, it would also spawn a wolf pack on your row. So that that was some very overpowered stuff. Yeah. The most important card of the game. Eight mana, you said. It feels like some other games are spilling over. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, eight, eight, uh, eight provisions. provisions. Eight provisions. Also, we got raided by my friend Moshcraft. So that's, hello, that's all very, the, very nice of him. All the Moshcrafters. I actually have um, quite a few words to say about the review campaign itself because um, I've been continuously criticizing this format of reviews because. 
Um, the main reason is, as a streamer, I don't know much about video editing, and it seems that the devs are dead set on the video format, and that automatically excludes uh, a lot of community members, a lot of partners from uh, from applying for a review. And as far as I know, um, the previous time they did it, um, so that was the content drop in April, I'm, I'm not mistaken, they only got two more signups than they needed. Like normally, normally there's like hundred people, hundred people asking to review a car, and now now the num these numbers are very very low because a lot of people feel like, well, I don't know anything about editing. It's it, YouTube is not my platform. I'm not making videos, so mm. they they feel excluded from the campaign. Mm -hmm. I see. I didn't know that actually. I didn't know that. Again, I'm mostly concerned with the competitive side of cards, right? So I barely watch I'm not like I know many reveals were really good. I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to throw shade at the people who reveal their cards. Those the few I watched were fantastic. I'm not I'm in no way saying the reveals were not interesting. I'm just saying that, you know, I'm streaming. So chat is constantly like, oh, have you reviewed the new card? Have you reviewed the new card? Have you reviewed the new card? So I don't even have time to watch. What the reveals? I just, I just, somebody just gives me a screenshot of the new card in chat, and I, and instantly asks me to review it. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it makes reason. sense, absolutely. But since you already said you are um, more interested in the uh, competitive scene, uh, let's dive into the expansion, which is called Black Sun. And despite it being called an expansion, it only contains twenty-seven new cards. Mm. Um, do you think such a limited number of, of new additions is enough for, for this drop to be called a fully-fledged expansion? Um, okay, so I think one of the most impactful meta changes we've had was, well, at least lately, I, because the decks that are meta are still decks that are meta from that card drop, is actually not this expansion and is actually not the last expansion. Is a card drop when they added uh, King of Beggars, Henselt, and this kind of stuff. It was like 10 cards and it was most imp more impactful than the, than the next two expansions. So it's not about the number, it's the number of new cards. It's about, uh, it's about what they do. Um, so I would much I would much rather prefer if we had uh, more cards and weaker cards, so they would just offer new options instead of power creeping us into more limited options, like they do right now. I actually think aside from the Arondite fiasco, uh, the Golden Necker expansion was a very very good one. I think the the cards that were added were interesting without being uh, too power crept, except for maybe. Conjurer's Candle. Conjurer's Candle was a bit too good, maybe. But other than that, like, for example, I think, I know many people don't like Compass, but I think Compass is one of the best designed cards of all time. So I thought that expansion was very, very good, power level-wise, especially, like, especially because it was too weak. People may, might think it was too weak, but I think that's a good thing about the expansion. The thing that it was a really, that it was the fact that it was too weak is exactly what made it good, uh, except for the Arendite fiasco again. Uh, and with this expansion, I don't know. It may mean I'm not gonna start criticizing it right now, but there's already a ton of problems that all of you who play ladder probably already know, right? And I don't think those problems are gonna get. Are gonna leave anytime soon. 
when I did my card review for the new expansion, okay, fine. I was about, to, I was trying to stay positive, but fine. I won't, <laughs> I won't stay positive. When I did my card review for uh, this new expansion, I instantly gave Renfri a zero rating design-wise, not power level-wise. I have two ratings. I have a power level rating and I have a design rating. And I instantly gave Renfri a zero point in design. And the same for Renfri's gang. And my reasoning was that uh, there's only two ways this card can go. Either it turns out that the 25 units restriction is just too too difficult and uh, Renfri is never going to see any kind of interesting play. Or more likely uh, what will happen is that the restriction is actually not that difficult and every single fucking deck will play. Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? I, yes, I'm you are. About... You are allowed. Okay. It's, it's an 18 plus show. Okay, great. <laughs> and, uh, and every fucking deck will just uh, jam her and... Uh, she will, she will be everywhere. And sadly, option B happened. But even if it was option A, uh, it would be very bad design, right? So, oh yeah, I kind of predicted the direction that Renfri would take. And uh, I, wished, I wished to be proved wrong, but sadly, I wasn't. At least so far, I wasn't. I'd like to circle back to two things you said in, in, this, in this monologue. Um, the first one being... You said that the ten card drop was much more impactful, mm-hmm. and 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 now that you said it, I I actually have to agree because not only we had King of Beggars, but for example in Novgorod we had something like uh, Jan Kalvaid who who proved to completely yep. change the way you you play Novgorod, and it actually dethroned um, the uh, usual thinning options such as uh, Blight Makers, Mage Assassins, but also DMT. Yep from being auto included so yeah that's that's a very out, good insight and another thing out of the, I, I'm, I'm i'm sorry to, to cut you off I, I i thought that i just wanted to expand a little bit with an interesting stat on uh, those 12 cards that were released like to, right two cards per expansion so uh all 12 cards so competitive play except for maybe ardal ebdahi maybe except for ebdahi all 12 new cards, so very high-level competitive play. On Monsters, you had Arrakis Queen and Detlef, both, both of which have... Well, Arrakis Queen is extremely toxic. Detlef is in a toxic archetype, but that's another story. Uh, Nilgard had Kelvit and Ebdahi. I, I guess Ebdahi didn't really see play, but Kelvit, as you said, is one of the most impactful cards of all time. Hansel and Radovid are the reason why Siege is so good right now especially Hanseld. Um Milva got nerfed. Milva had to get nerfed. Saskia is insanely strong. She, she's, play, she's played in no unit decks, sadly, and not only. Uh, King of Beggars had to be nerfed two or three times, I'm not sure. Was, Was it yeah. two or three? Uh, but yeah, we all know. And... Uh, Melfart is uh, was was he was included in many. Well, he was auto included last month, and even before that, he was included in lots of uh, SI devotion lists. Who have I forgotten? Did I forget anyone? Any faction? Oh, oh Skellige, Skellige. Oh, and in Skellige, we had King Brand, right? Who sees play? And who was the second one in Skellige? Ceres, Ceres Fearless. Uh, Ceres, and yeah, of course, Ceres sees lots of play in Sigvald. So yeah, uh, all uh, I don't remember the last time there was a card of well, all cards ended up being meta-defining, like not just included index, but straight up meta-defining. 
And almost all of those cards were like deck and meta defining. So I think it's pretty crazy when you think about it. I think King of Beggars also got a, a nerf that was, well, a buff that was intended as a nerf because I think they increased the counter on him at one point as well. Yeah. Because it wasn't 12 at the beginning, I think. Yeah, it was supposed to be a nerf. So it, it was supposed to be that way so you don't just slam Savala and uh, get it instantly. But it turns out it's even, it, it might arguably have made him better. It's it's still 12 free coins, so. Yep. And a spandex, so yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mentioned that you said two things that I was interested in, and the other thing is you called it an expansion. While, in fact, this year we are only getting one expansion, and, and that's Black Sun CDPR. It's not considering all these other card drops expansions, but we, mm. can, we can already see that the perception of the community is, is quite different. Like people will see a card drop that contains 10 or, or more new cards, and it's instantly being referred to as an expansion by the community. So who knows, maybe maybe in the future CDPR will also uh, consider renaming all these drops, all these releases as, as proper expansions. Honestly, um, another interesting fact that I noticed uh, when I was reviewing cards is that I was more interested in patch notes than in new cards. When I was reviewing new cards, I was like, oh, Harmony, okay, sure, new cards are good, but Harmony will never see play unless they rework uh, some card, and I was sure they would. Color, one. We all know how that ended. I saw Strive Archetype, I was like, oh, okay, interesting. The scenario will never see play unless Strive gets a rework. Okay, we knew they reworked Necker Warrior, very cool. Uh, so yeah, I think many people were expecting uh, more things to happen in, during patch notes. And honestly, I find patch notes usually more impactful. Well, depend, not necessarily more impactful, but more important for the game. Like, if they don't do any new expansions, people should not think that the game will remain uh, stale because those patch notes and card changes can be way more impactful and way more interesting than uh, actual new cards. We have so many cards that are basically not in the game, technically. They are in the game, but you can never, ever play them because of how power, power crap they are. Uh, uh, changing them is basically adding new cards, right? Just keeping with the same art, so... Good enough for me, you know, if they do that frequently. Yeah, you said a lot about um, balance changes having a lot of impact. But what kind of impact do you expect from, from, um, from these 27 new cards? Like we, we already talked a little bit about a Harmony, uh, Thrive, and Renfrey, but but overall, do you think the impact of these 27 new cards is going to be enough to shake things up uh, continuously or to or 20, to maintain the hype? 27? Weren't yeah. there only three new cards? Renfrey Cat and Renfrey's Gang? Are there other new cards? Really? I, so, I thought it was a three card drop expansion. Renfrey's Gang, Renfrey and uh, the Cat and Monsters. <laughs> yeah. I, Isn't I that think, what happened? Yeah, there was a filter on in your game, I think. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So that, so there were actually twenty-seven card drops. So yeah, when, as always, when you have like, you know, the thing that got me really, really mad on stream. If you've watched my stream, there was a couple times where I was really trying to contain myself because of how annoyed I was. My problem is not that the that the balance is not necessarily good. My problem is that how since fo since fucking closed beta, we have the same problem. 
We have the same problem that is not present in other TCGs. It's a, only a Gwen problem that they cannot and seems that they do not want to fix with broken neutrals. I don't understand. We've had the Witcher trio uh, in Homecoming. Then we had Roach that was in every deck because he, he was very strong in the beginning. Then we had uh, Gimpy Gerwin, and that's just to, to cite some of them. We had the Unicorn duo that was in every deck at some point. Then we had, uh, what, what else did we have? Recently we had some stuff as well. We had Arendite, of course, recently. That was everywhere. Golden Necker, Arendite in every deck. And every expansion, it seems, they do it again and again and again. Everybody tells them in the community that they hate it. They also say it themselves that they don't want the game to be based around neutrals that are everywhere. And yet, like one month after Arendite, they released Renfrey, which is another card that will either be everywhere or nowhere. Uh, I think, for example, 80 Bold is a perfect example of a well-designed neutral. It can, it can be played in some specific deck. Sadly, the deck in which it's played right now is a very toxic deck. It's a triple cat spam, but that's not the question. Even forgetting that deck, it's the kind of card that can be played somewhere, but is nowhere near auto-include. And I think that's the way neutrals should be going. Uh, or, or they should be tech cards, like Squirrel, like Peller. Those are good neutrals. Yeah. Uh, I think so even, my... even, even on Aeromancy and Royal Decree were yes. that prevalent at some point. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So my message to CDPR would be like, if we don't want that, you can just stop printing neutrals. Nobody will be sad if you just don't, don't add any more neutrals to the game. Just don't. You've proved you cannot balance them or you don't want to balance them. So just don't add any more neutrals. It's fine. No, but nobody will be sad about that. No more neutrals or only tech card neutrals. And I think it's fine. Deck-defining neutrals have no business being in the game because they will either be too good and every, every deck will play them or they will just be meme status and nobody will play them. And is, is that really what we need? When we get so few new cards, do we really need cards that will either be memes or uh, game-breaking? I don't think we do. At least that's my opinion. At least that's my opinion. I don't know. Maybe it's a hot take. Maybe people like neutrals to be deck-defining. But I really don't. I really don't think neutrals should be deck-defining. I wouldn't necessarily say it's what people want. Uh, people don't really want neutrals to be uh, deck-defining. As a matter of fact, in the last few months we've seen so many complaints about devotion being power crept. So I would argue that the community wants uh, the opposite. They want faction cards to be, to be uh, more powerful and they want faction-based archetypes to be thriving uh, on the ladder. Devotion and Adrenaline are such good mechanics, it blows my mind we don't see more of those. Devotion and Adrenaline are so good, if you had Adrenaline so many broken cards would be fixed. Like for example the new cat, give him Adrenaline, he's fixed. Uh, give, give him Devotion, he's fixed. So many, you can afford to print so many overpowered cards if you give them the word Devotion. Uh, but for some reason they don't want to they don't want they don't want to to use those two keywords which i think are fantastic those are two of the best keywords we have in the game and yet it's it's the freaking prophet who got adrenaline for no reason at all yeah <laughs> yeah 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 to be fair if prophet didn't have adrenaline he would be very very toxic but uh but yeah we need more of it we need, we definitely need more adrenaline I mean, I think there are a few neutrals that are interesting. I think Shoop has always been interesting, especially because the requirement is a bit more strict than some of the other cards. 
Um, Rune Mage was also a surprise to me. It's a pretty balanced card that has a, an effect on specific archetypes, like Assimilate. Although yeah. the effect might be a bit too much, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't mind Rune Mage. I like, I like those kind of neutrals, I agree. I agree Rune Mage is also another example of... Uh, is also uh, an, uh, an example of a good uh, designed neutral. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I can agree with that. All right. Maybe maybe to to your your own personal preference. Um, even though there were only twenty seven cards, we did have some extra support for existing archetypes. Whether that's strong enough, that's something to be left yeah. to the side. Uh, but what are your personal favorite decks and cards so far? You did mention knights already, but yeah. Uh, so NR boss is my favorite archetype of all time. Like I during uh, during the old times, I used to play lots of. Um, Lots of um, like as a buff archetype, you know, the one with royal inspiration. I actually, unironically, played it at some point. Uh, I played with old uh, Demavand in some buff decks with Visegard and this this good stuff. That was uh, one of my favorite uh, archetypes. That was my favorite archetype of all time. The, the so Visegard machine gun. Yep, yep, yep. So when I saw that they released support for this archetype, I was very happy. I did not expect it to be very good because it lacks control and that's something you cannot afford in current meta. You have to either be the greediest, uh, most broken deck or you need to have some control. So for example, the cat deck doesn't have any control because it will outpoint everything. Even even Sigvald, which is Amazing when you think about it. Yesterday I was uh, co-oping with Nick R, who you probably know, one of the best players of all time. And uh, he was telling me, if you're frustrated with Rentry, just play Sigvald. So we were playing Sigvald on his stream, and he matched into Cat at some point. And uh, Cat just outpointed Sigvald, an active Sigvald that, got, that didn't get answered. I mean, Sigvald got purified for like 40 points, which matters, okay, don't get me wrong, like, I'm not saying SQL to get completely unanswered, but I think even with the 40 points, Cat has had a good chance of just outpointing SQL, which is crazy when you think about it. So, what was my point? Yeah, I was saying the deck is not very good because it lacks control and it's not that, it cannot do crazy overpowered stuff like SQL or like this Cat deck, but... I think your version is shield wall, right? Yes, With my version is shield wall because I think uh, if you go to the path of uh, trying to force a long round and then win, you're doomed. Because there are too many decks that will just outpoint you in a long round and your scenario is sure that your scenario will make lots of points but nowhere near something like Cat or something like Siegwald or something like, I don't know, even SI scenario or uh, Nilgard scenario. In long round, they will all destroy you. So I went to the Golden Necker Pass and I went to, I, I basically chose a card that seemed very good, included them, and uh, and had some pretty good uh, games actually. I have a pretty good strategy with that deck. Um, also New Leader, my problem with New Leader is that sure it plays for 15, while Shield will plays for, plays for 6, right, technically, but those 15 points are forced to spend on uh, grace cards and grace cards are honestly not that good sadly i love the mechanic it's my favorite mechanic uh, it's my favorite new mechanic i think it's very cool but grace cards are sadly not that good right now uh, 
So you have to use it on on your for for example, uh, one of the best units in my deck is Dandelion. Uh, mm -hmm. You buff him instantly with a shield wall, and then you buff uh, the maiden shield in deck, and it's so strong. So I love, I love that card, the maiden shield. Yeah, me too. As well. And with the new leader, you cannot use it right on Dandelion because if you use it on Dandelion one, well, your leader is gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, there we are. Uh, that's my new archetype by a mile, um, and. Flavor and lore-wise, like card art-wise, I also really like the cultist stuff. I think it's really cool. I, not game gameplay-wise, I don't think it's a cool archetype, but flavor-wise, I think it's really cool. We are definitely going to get to them at some point, but I would like to focus on the new set of scenarios for, uh, mm -hmm. for a minute. What's your take on the idea of double I, scenario decks? And if really they become a thing, what tools I'm, would you resort to in order to con counter them? Because we I'm already really know that just... some people are trying trying double scenarios. We over yes, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I'm one of the people who tried it. And uh, so those kind of strategies at um, lower ranks can work. But if you're playing against somebody who has a good understanding of the game, those strategies will never work, and let me tell you why. Uh, yesterday I had a game, actually, against double scenario Nilfgaard that plays for a million points. It play and that's barely a figure of speech. There's a clip, you know, if you've seen, like again with Nick R, where a scenario where he plays against the illusionist spam Nilfgaard scenario, not illusionist spam, the practic practitioner spam. And in third round, uh, the Nilfgaard gets like 2,000 points. I'm not, it's not a figure of speech, actual 2,000 points. So, um, so that's the kind of stuff you can do with a Nilfgaard scenario. But the problem is, yesterday I had a game with double scenario. I won round one. Uh, round two, what I do, I play a shit bronze. They have to play scenario. I play another shit bronze. They have to play their gold. I play a third sheet bronze, they have to play a gold. I play a fourth sheet bronze, they have to play the second scenario. Game is over. Uh, in round three, I, I, I'm one card down, but I have a few golds. They don't have anything left at all, and I just win. So th th that's a problem with all new scenarios. All of them suffer from the same problems. They are very easy to bleed. Because uh, one of the reasons is option two requires a long round. To, not option two, chapter one requires a long round for um requires a long round to work and uh it's very easy so basically for the new scenarios to work you need to win round one you need to win round one but strategies that work uh very well when you can guarantee winning round one there's a lot of them salamandra is a strategy like that that if you win round one you i mean salamander the salamander gellert spam uh, if you win uh, round one, you're almost guaranteed to win. Um, what 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 other No unit, no unit actually traps. Traps is another strategy that if you can guarantee winning round one, even in those greedy metas, you're almost guaranteed to win the game in long round three. But there are too many strategies like that, and they don't see competitive play because, it, as it turned out, guaranteed winning round one is not that easy. Even with something like Saskia that plays for an insane amount of points and is on interactive, does not guarantee you winning round one. And for that reason, the scenarios suffer the same problem. 
for example, the SI scenario, if you give them a long round, they're going to play for 5,000 points. Like, it's, it's a figure of speech where they're going to play first. You, you will not beat SI scenario in a long round, the new SI scenario. But it's so easy to bleed. You just play round two, and uh, if you play round two... Many people, myself included, uh, when I started competitively playing, are scared to play round two. It doesn't feel comfortable. You, you're putting yourself out there. You, you're taking the risk of losing card advantage. It feels uncomfortable. It feels, it, it feels a bit scary. Then you're going to go into round three. You're going to be one card down, very likely. You're going to have to use your resources in a way that you don't like. But uh, against those strategies, you need to do it. And uh, it's a very good way to counter them. Yeah, so. indeed. Oh, and I didn't answer about double scenario, sorry. Is there a way to play double scenario? So uh, I tried double scenario in Yilfgaard, it was terrible. I tried double scenario SI, it was uh, terrible. Uh, I think it, it, it puts you into two different directions. You have to add bronzes that do not synergize with each other. Um, I don't think it's viable. Uh, I don't think it's viable right now. I don't see any combo of the... Yeah, there's also double scenario NR that works according to some but here but I, i'm doing quotation marks because it's not double scenario that works it's siege that works it's siege is very very good siege is very good right now and you're making siege worse by adding the knight package so that's why double nr scenario works it's because siege is very good right now i think monsters has the same issue just judging from the card that haunt almost works better in a tribe deck than the new haunted manor i think it's called mm. Depending Monsters, on how, how long your, your rounds are, of course, but... Monster suffers for, with the same problem for I don't know how long. They have no control options. And um, the answer to that is give them uh, absolutely crazy cheesy strats, which I really hate. That's not the way to go. They give them which is Sabbat, which, which is a card that should have been removed yesterday. They give them uh, this cat that can play for like million points like they have no control but they have the greediest more most cheese binary strategies that you either counter and insta win or you can't counter and insta lose which is such bad gameplay it's so bad i don't understand people who play those strategies because one thing is to be frustrating to play against but even when you play it what pleasure do you get you basically don't get any decisions either your opponent can answer your bullshit or your opponent cannot answer your bullshit and it's just game over i don't know i really don't understand that what what do you mean Gabin? triple gurney core is still fine no please no 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 triple anything please remove arakas queen remove witches sabbat please yeah. <laughs> please remove those cards the, the best matchup against the card that I had was Mr. Opponent uh, open with their defender and then they play the cat thinking, okay, I can't do anything about that. I just play the Yennefer Illusionist and boom, card gone, game over. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool, actually. That's kind of cool. But yeah, basically, basically imagine you're playing a deck that has some control options. Purify Defender, uh, Yenwo Cat, done. Done. The deck, the deck is finished. There's no or 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 don't play control options. Put Xavier, Xavier, boom, uh, wins the round. Put Xavier, just delete everything. No game, no game has happened. Just uh, you could counter it, and there was no game. You couldn't counter it, and there was no game. So I don't know. It's just like a coin flip, a matchup coin flip. I really don't like this kind of stuff. 
Uh, Geralt the Gwidblade is saying Arrakis Queen should only consume Death Wish, and I agree with that. It should be Death Wish support. It should not be a way to cheese uh, to cheese some some dumb strategies. It's especially because we got, I think it was only a few months before that, that we got the nerf for Karantir to avoid yeah. having dupl <laughs> duplicate big monsters, and then they came up with Arrakis Queen, and that just uh... it just got a repeat. I have no words for this kind of stuff. We have Arondite and it gets nerfed because we don't want to see strong neutrals everywhere. And like two weeks after Arondite nerf, well, not two weeks, but figure of speech, they released Renfrey, which is like the new Necker Arondite. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I... We, we, we've kept the section specifically for Renfrey later on in the, in the I have been shitting on Renfrey <laughs> since the podcast started. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> Not a problem, uh, but but maybe moving but on to some before, other before we move on, I would just like to take the moment to appreciate the name Gerald the Gwimblade. How yeah. how was that name not taken? What is Gwimblade? Gwimblade we means white wolf in Elder, so it's Gerald oh. the White Wolf. Wow, that's really cool. I I know Gerald. Well, he's one of my viewers. Well, not my viewers. He's probably watching other people as well. But he's in my chat a lot, and he's a cool guy. You don't own him, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean. But shout out to Geralt. Yeah, it's, it's a great he, name. He, he doesn't have a t-shirt that says, I'm a Gabane viewer. No, he doesn't. He probably doesn't. <laughs> but he's in my chat a lot, and I know him, and he's a cool guy. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. All right. Um... Yeah, let's move on to a few of the, the other uh, new things that were added in the expansion, such as the infused keyword. Um, mm. So what's your opinion on that new mechanic and, and, and its future? Because we've seen a few other new keywords introduced in the past that weren't really used uh, beyond um, their initial introduction. So what is your opinion like on infused? It, it, it gives the option to give strong abilities to cards with more options to counter them, like you can purify them but also with more options to play around them. Like for example, yesterday I found, I figured out you can uh, play Vandergrifts, infuse him with, um, with the Maiden Shield stuff, uh, uh, and you can carry it over for three rounds, which, which will never happen, don't worry, if you, in case people are saying, oh, so OP, no, it will never happen, it, it will never happen. It will not, never actually pull it off. But uh, I'm just saying it's a potential strategy, and uh, it's a cool interaction. It yeah. is a cool interaction. Also, when the expansion was released, I, I was uh, saying during my card review, I will probably be playing Siegfried in all my decks in the beginning, because I expected uh, much more, uh, um, much more infused. Actually, I was expecting to see Harmony infusing everything here and there, and you just slam Siegfried and remove remove all the infused. As it turns out, uh, Infuse is not very good when you have Renfrey decks everywhere. Uh, but mechanic-wise, I think it's it's a good mechanic, but it's also a dangerous one. I don't want uh, I don't want to see too much stuff like Vandergrift carryover. Mm -hmm. As I said, Vandergrift carryover is very difficult to pull off. But if you have more stuff like these that infuse resilient units, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see too many resilient units getting infused. Uh, Actually, uh, I just had an interesting idea. There's something you can do with uh, the sausage maker in SI where he can guaranteed get triple resilience. If there's good mm -hmm. statuses to infuse in SI, you could do some nonsense with that. But I don't think there are too many good things to infuse. I guess you could add the new... Uh... Sorry, I'm rambling. I, I, I want you to take building mode. You, you could add... Not, not a problem. 
you could add the new 5p card and like ball give give him five times uh, gain one unit per turn and then you carry yeah. over it to third round but that makes a greedy deck even greedier that makes uh... a <laughs> i mean i'm al i'm already happy that we mentioned the sausage maker on this yeah on this. true <laughs> yeah that's probably the first time we mentioned that car specifically on the show ever yeah <laughs> here we go creative deck building with Gabain. yeah um so yeah, I like to to summarize. I like the Infuse keyword. I think it's a cool yeah. keyword. Yeah, I think I think the it really shows the amount of flexibility CDPR now has in relation to abilities and what they can do, um, which is also also interesting if you compare it to what they did with Renfri. But we'll talk about the, that later. Um, <laughs> Just hearing the word makes me. Well, if you need to reach uh, behind you and grab one of those bottles <laughs> to prepare uh, for that. I wish, <laughs> I wish. I have some health issues right now. Otherwise, in this meta, this meta would be much more enjoyable if I could drink while playing it. Yeah. All right. Um, one more small topic that I want to talk about um, is the fact that we, um, we also have some extra support for Thrive and Harmony, um, which have always been seen as the more new player friendly um options yeah. to play with because it's it's pretty easy to to wrap yeah, your head around and to play. um do you think that the new additions we got to that change that because there's a few um new interactions that you need to infuse with harmony or thrive and that makes it more complicated mm, to play with it does. That... yeah yeah it does that's a good point i've been trying some harmony decks and it's actually a headache to know do you play the bear first or whatever it is the infuse guy or do you play your infused cards first? But ultimately, I, again, those two archetypes suffer from the same problem, no control. Mm -hmm. Like monsters drive, you, you can't control. And like, again, monsters have only two ways to play the game. It's either cheese, cheesy strats, you either cheese uh, with absolutely, absolutely nonsensical mechanics like uh, Fledler. Fledler is a nonsense card. It's a 6P card that can play for 200. Uh, or with cat, you either cheese with nonsense mechanics that are just completely, and you abuse them as much as you can. Like you try to play Fledder ten times, you try to play cat three times. You either abuse strong mechanics or you point slam. But the meta is not uh, allowing point slam to be viable right now. So, um, so only way for monsters to be viable is in a very unhealthy way, sadly. So to all the monster enjoyers, I'm sorry for the state your faction is in. I'm actually myself a monster enjoyer. I like the faction, but not as it is right now. I'm even sad for general cat enjoyers, since yeah. cats get a very bad name now. Yeah, I all, I'm also a cat enjoyer, and uh, what they're doing with the cat is making me ashamed to be a cat enjoyer. What they're putting this poor cat through. Yeah, it's really getting a bad name. It oh, really yeah, absolutely. Honestly, Cat is getting blamed for uh, the true problem card, which is Witch is Sabbat. The true problem card is Witch is Sabbat and Defender. Those are the true problem mechanics that shouldn't exist. If yeah. there's no Witch is Sabbat, if there's no Defender, Cat is not such a problem. Yeah, especially because with Witch is Sabbat, you can also just play both of them at the same in the same yep. turn, and it's completely yep. unanswerable, at least yep. in a single turn. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I always remember how 
defenders were first added to the game and everyone i mean everyone competitive players tournament casters uh community members everyone was saying this is gonna be very very problematic and nobody listened and and when nobody listens after a few weeks maybe a few months you just stop complaining because you see it doesn't lead to anything there is no response from the devs so the defenders haven't been changed at all and yeah i i agree about the which is a sabbath as well it's the only thing it enables is toxic cheesy decks to be honest yeah 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 exactly that and defender yeah defender is the worst mechanic of all time in gwent if you if you ask me what the the, the mechanic or the card or the thing i hate the most about gwent it's definitely defender uh, I'm a big engine and engine player. So when Defender was released and their excuse was, "Oh, we're here to help engine decks because control is too strong right now," at first I was happy, but soon again it became soon it became obvious that Defender is too slow to be played in engine decks. If you're taking one turn to play Defender, then it means you're delaying your already slow engine with even more turns, and you need to draw Defender. So basically, uh, Defender will never be played in engine decks. Defender will only be played in decks where uh, you're doing some bullshit combo strat that uh, well, Defender is a cheese strat, it's not an engine strat. You'll play it in cheese decks, like Sigvald, which is a good example of a cheese deck, uh, in like triple Garnicora, Cat, whatever stuff, uh, in like uh, Practitioner spam, uh, Floaty Mage spam. Defender is plays in all these kind of toxic strats. Alumni, which is the definition of an engine deck, only Pepegas played Defender in Alumni. Like, I, I am, uh, in all due modesty, I think I was a very, very good Alumni player having created the archetype. And I never even considered playing Defender because if you play Defender, you're already, you're already slowing down and down and already slow strat. Uh, if you play Defender, you have to play Tissaia and all this kind of super greedy stuff, which is, which is, no, you're not playing an engine deck anymore. You're playing again a cheese combo deck. Yeah, another issue with Defender is that in various factions you can effectively replay it multiple times. Yeah, Defender should have doomed 100%. That's, that's, that's a fact. Defender should have doomed. It's, it's, it's a small fix, but it's already making uh, some things better. Uh, I don't think it's a good enough fix. I think Defender just needs to get removed. I think there's no reason for Defender to be in the game. I think it's yeah. a terrible Cause mechanic. Because but... if you give a Defender Doom, then you're also clearing that Doom status if you purify the Defender yeah. state. Yeah, so it's a trade-off, you know? Like, it's doomed, but now you cannot purify it, kinda, or if you purify... Well, but to be fair, if you put Defender and it's doomed in your deck, I'm, I don't think you put a way to resurrect it. I don't think your reasoning is like, oh, my opponent will not purify my defender, so I'm going to put a resurrect yeah. effect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if yeah. you purify your own defender, then, well, yeah, congratulations. You're, it's not a defender anymore. Sorry. I've, I've seen a couple Hiccups. of good ideas for, for defenders if they were meant to stay in the game. For instance, uh, a timer where uh, the defender would purify himself after, let's say, three turns. Mm. Mm. Not bad. It's still probably good enough for cancer combo decks, sadly, to work. And I think, okay, we're, we're backtracking again and again and again, but I think, uh, so we, at first we said the problem is Defender. No, I, at first we said problem is lack of control. Then we said, no, problem is not lack of control, problem is Defender. And now I'm saying, no, problem is not Defender, problem, problem is uh, I win cards. I win cards and strats. Strats that if you don't, if you don't, if you can't deal with them, you just lose. There's nothing you can do. You just lose. 
cards like Siegvold, cards like uh, Arakes Queen, cards like uh, Gurnikora even. Uh, okay, Gurnikora is not such a card. I guess Gurnikora is not that OP. But you know what I mean. This kind of stuff is uh, is a real problem. Okay, okay, just so people don't say I'm not being objective and only talking about archetypes I don't like. Cards like Leticia, which is one of my favorite cards of all time. Leticia is also one such problem card that if you can't remove it, you just lose the game. Those kind of kind of cards need to be gone from the game. This kind of cards need to be gone. If those kind of cards are gone, defender is not so toxic anymore. Your defender and those kind of strats are not so toxic anymore. You can play some monsters, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. That's a lot of ifs, you know. But uh, too many things to fix. Um, speaking of decks that, if left untreated, uh, can be very, very cheesy, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Cultists, uh, which is also a new addition to this expansion. Um, the devs said they wanted to aid underdeveloped or left-behind archetype, archetypes. Um, how would you describe the value of the package and its potential and future in Nilfgaard? Oh, that's so difficult. So the one thing I didn't review during my card review was the cultist package. I instantly said I I don't I cannot evaluate it. I don't see I I don't understand it good enough well enough. I don't understand whether it's really good or really bad or if it's viable or not. And I said I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna give it a power level rating because I cannot evaluate it. And sadly, I will have to give you the same cop-out answer. I, I, I can't evaluate properly this strategy. Obviously, it has an insanely high ceiling. So if Nilgard, uh But then again, it, it's also very vulnerable to bleed. And Nilgard is already a faction that struggles with winning round one. It's already a faction that can almost never win round one. So it could be a tournament strat, I guess. It could be a tournament strat um, because you probably auto-win some matchups. You probably auto win matchups that don't have lots of control, but then again, you have already lots of of uh, archetypes that do that. Maybe it's an alternative to the practitioner spam, you know. Maybe it's something that could work in a similar macro, meaning you basically have an insane amount of points that nobody can counter, but for that you need to do some setup before. It's honestly very hard for me to evaluate right now. Right now, fact is they suck. Right now they're not playable because uh, in, in current on ladder they're not playable right now for the reason I described earlier that you just win round one and then you bleed them out. You just don't give them a long round three and uh, it's the same for the SI scenario and it's the same for the Nilgard scenario. Both have insane ceilings. Both are very vulnerable to bleed. Mm-hmm. That's, and, that, that would be my evaluation. And not only that, I would say a single heat wave basically ruins the only a card that offers cultist synergy. So imagine imagine setting uh, your scenario up throughout the rounds, playing all these uh, low-tempo 4.5-point 4 po- 4. cultists uh, to get you some cultist carryover, and then your scenario gets uh, gets heatwaved, and you have basically no leg to, to stand on anymore. Yep. So to answer that logic, people were like, oh, I know, I'm a genius deck builder, so... There is no actually hit with two. Gabane is a liar. There is no actually actual hit with two in the game. So I'm gonna play both scenarios and I'm gonna destroy those hit wave guys. And then what happens is what I described earlier in the podcast. You just bleed both scenarios in round two and both scenarios do nothing. Uh, so you don't get uh, hit waved. You just get bled to death and uh, you're just very sad. 
So, um, yes, right now it's not viable. Honestly, right now it's not viable. And I think it's a, again, it's, a, it's another card that I'm not very happy about because it's, it will, if it's viable, it will be really unfun to play against. If it's viable, it will be, again, very binary, right? It will be either you can answer their bullshit or you can't and you lose. And I don't, I don't think that's good game design, honestly. That's why I'm not a big fan of those scenarios. At least, at least the SI scenario kind of, kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I know, I know. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of the design. I think uh, something like the ST scenario is, is healthier. Something like the, the new ST scenario, for example, is, is, uh, goes in a healthy way. It still encourages you to play a long round, but it's not like if you, it, it, it doesn't read if you're in a long round three, you just win the game. Which is what uh, potentially the Nilgard scenario and the SI scenario could read. Yeah, the 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 Square Tell one also. I think it's the scenario that plays for the highest points just by the the, the first the prologue. The first. It does. Step. It does. Unless um, depend on how many how many unit categories you have, I guess. But yeah. technically. Technically, yes. And then again, uh, NR can play for a lot of points potentially, especially if the engine isn't answered because it will drop a night engine, or it will, or it can just drop a big pile of stats with um, the the knight that costs four and gets buffed by three if you play it from your deck. Mm -hmm. It's also something you can do. Probably not the best card to put in your deck, but potentially that's something you can do. Point is, yeah, uh, ST scenario, I feel, is fair. It has a very clear point cap. It's not going to play for 1 million. It has a very clear point cap. And, uh, yeah, it's fair. That's why it will never see play, because it's fair. <laughs> fair cards don't see play, sadly. Yeah, I do think it's it's interesting that you you also had the same because I I felt the same way about the cultist package at, at the, the beginning when they were revealed. I could not wrap my head around mm what the point potential mm. or the the yeah would be it's interesting that you had the same the same feeling mm, yeah definitely definitely had the same feeling i've played cultists um a fair bit in the first few days and, and to be honest it's, it's so difficult to evaluate like, even if it sticks and and you have the golden hand so to say it's it's so difficult to evaluate how many points you're going to get mm. from from your cars because there's just so much happening and um Personally, as somebody who plays Nilfgaard almost ex almost exclusively, I would say uh, it's mm. pretty boring. It's it's not very Nilfgaardian to play to play the, mm. the cultists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see what you mean. I, I can definitely see what you mean. It I feels like just with spam, and spam is not really a Nilfgaard thing, is it? it yeah, I definitely like enjoy playing Elderbald Van Morlehem servants more, even mm. though it's it's not that great. But you know. Uh, Using all those nice infusions and copying them—that's definitely something Nilfgaard would do. I think that's another example of good game design, actually. The Van Vorlem servants—they have a very high power potential ceiling, but you have to work for it to make it work. It's not just like, oh, slam! Uh, I slam Renfri and I play for fifty points. That's uh, that's good game design, I think. Again, I cannot keep rent-free out of my mind. Rent-free! Oh, it, she's not rent-free, she's rent-free in my mind. She lives rent-free in my mind. That's, that's what she does. That's <laughs> why she's called rent-free. 
Oh yeah. Um, moving on, get, getting one step closer to that re that golden Renfri question. We yeah. already discussed this a little bit, uh, but in it, to, in my opinion, in many ways, it seems NR received the most flavorful and and potentially impactful package because uh, it's not only the new cards; it was also combined with a series of reworks. You already said that uh, you are an enjoyer. Yes. Um, yeah. But what's your opinion on, on Grace as a status and its, and its viability in the future? Uh, as a status, it's my favorite status in the game. I think it's a very cool status. It encourages you to make risky plays. It, can, it encourages you to play engines. It encourages you to set up your stuff. Uh, it encourages you to play smartly. Uh, I'm not very objective again because NR is my favorite faction and NR buffs is my favorite archetype. So uh, I'm not objective. I'm subject. I'm very. I'm. I'm a little bit biased here. But it's my. I think Grace is a fantastic. Uh, is a fantastic keyword, and I, I hoped we could see more of it. Uh, as you said, you mentioned reworks. As of right now, I think they're kind of weak, honestly. Uh, so in my deck, uh, I will actually be making a guide maybe today on that deck. So if you're curious about that, do check it out. Uh, in my deck, I only included three Grace cards, which are the three best ones, in my opinion. Well, four. I included four. I included the new five, five Provision Knights, which are potentially very good. Uh, their Grace effect is uh, not a very healthy one. It gives shield to adjacent, adjacent units, and if you remove the shield, the, the units get buffed. So it's a very specific uh, effect that you really need to work for to make it work. It has a high ceiling if you make it work, but it's not easy. It's in no way easy to make it work. So I think that's exactly how cards should be designed. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a fantastically designed card. And of course, I play, I'm playing the Maiden Shield, which is so, such a cool card. I love this card so much. It's so cool. And uh, I, I am actually unironically running Garrison in my deck. And it's good, and it's good. The funniest thing is it's good, because it basically plays for 20 with the... If you have the shield, the Maiden Shield, you either trigger him in one turn with Garrison, if, for example, you miss Dandelion, or if for some reason you just had... you couldn't buff him in any way, you just slam him, you play Garrison, and he instantly gets both graces activated. But that's the secondary use. The primary use is you activate him, and uh, um, then you give uh, a target with Bronwyn, and then Garrison plays for 20, and then you get Ignid, and then you close the game and you leave. But, uh, but yeah. I, I do love the, the lore, the way both the Knight Errant and uh, Maiden Shield have like almost a story to how their abilities work. Like yeah. Knight Errant like blocks basically damage from if the, the, I think it's- After becoming strong enough. Yeah. But if, if before, even before, if, if the, the units right next to them are damaged, they actually take damage as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Defending, really cool. defending the, the ones that they're, they're, they're next to. And then, yeah, the Maiden Shield just I agree. tells a story while you're going through the grace. Ability. That is very cool. I agree. I completely agree with that. I'm going to digress uh, quite substantially here because you mentioned Garrison and it instantly reminded me of uh, how often the card's official name gets, gets simplified because people called Garrison Gate. Like, play the <laughs> gate. Right? Or, or like you have this uncrate longship. Play the boat. 
or you know you have the, the you have you have the Caravan Vanguard play the Desert Boys. Like, yeah, I, sure. I I I love how all these names in in the community lingo just get simplified to you. Play the idiot, yeah. play both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that as well. That's very fun. That's one of the fun parts about being a streamer. You learn new terms, especially when I stream in in like in English and in Russian. Sometimes Russian guys will get, tell me, "Oh, play this, uh, play the jadi," and I'm like, "What the fuck is jadi?" <laughs> it turns out it's a meme for Peller in Russian community, and I have no idea, you know. And it's so funny. I, I, that that's really definitely something I like about streaming. That's definitely a fun part for me. Yeah, there was actually an idea that I had, and I I, I discussed within my own team of of, of maybe uh, releasing a series of articles about uh, how certain card. Uh, cards receive their their nickname because that nickname sometimes is not applicable anymore. For example, people still say, "Oh, he played Vanilla Geralt," but why is Geralt Vanilla? Like nobody yeah. knows because nobody played uh, or almost nobody played open beta where uh, where Geralt of Riga had no ability. That's why he was called Vanilla. Y'all are missing the most interesting term, though. Can you find it? The most in- I have a question for you. The one term that is used extremely wrong. That had nothing to do with Gwent, and yet it's extremely used. If Tudor. anyone can guess, chat or you, sorry? It's tutoring. Mm, that's one, but I think there's one that's more used. I guess um, tutoring is a, has been an accepted term in all card games now. It's it's also, I think roping comes from Hearthstone roping, as well. there you go. Yep, that's, that's what I was thinking about. Roping. And, and here's the best story. I've never played Hearthstone, not a single game, but I watched a guy by the name of Corvus Corax, who is a streamer, mm-hmm who occasionally plays Hearthstone, I was like, oh shit, holy shit, man, when your timer goes down, there's a rope. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's where where the term comes yep, from. Yep, yep, Chat is guessing midrange and tempo, but no, I think both midrange and tempo are applicable terms to Gwent. Yeah. But but yeah, rope was what I was thinking of. Rope, rope because is, uh, is everybody says he's roping me, but there yeah, is It's a Hearthstone visual, and, and to people who never played MTG, and I'm one of them actually, but I learned the story. Tutor was a card in MTG who used mm-hmm. to, it was like a guy who used to play a spell or something. I don't know, yep. I've never played the game. But that's where the name comes from. Yep, it was a guy who tutored a specific card type. I didn't play the game either, but I saw it. And it's a card that tutored a very specific card, hence the name. Tutoring is now uh, drawing a specific type of card. I think proking is also used wrong quite often in Gwen's. Which one, sorry? Proking. Proking? Proking. So if you're if you're triggering an ability Oh proking an ability, yeah. I see. Because that's uh, that's a programmatic term that you use for a random event, but if you trigger it physically, like you know what you're doing and it triggers because something that you do, it's not proking technically. Okay. Interesting. It's not happening randomly. But you, you know what's know the best term in Gwent ever that's almost never used anymore? Hero, hero pass. I hero fucking pass. loved Hero Pass. That, oh man, Hero Passing was just so good. It, it never happened. I did happens. it two days ago. I did it two days ago. Oh really? Uh, yeah, against Renfrey, and he fucking tied me. I was so pissed. I was so pissed <laughs> off. He he tutored. He tutored. He roped me. Then he tutored Renfrey, which procked his new leader, and then he uh, he punished my Hero Pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that, that digression aside, uh, I think there's two <laughs> factions left before we get to the juicy part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up is Skellige. So 
Pirates, I think we're already at a very solid spot uh, recently, um, as far as playability at least. Um, so, so how do you see their futures with the, the new cards that were added and the, the increased weather integration? Okay. Um, and, and Clash, of course, but Clash basically already. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. Uh, so please turn off the podcast. We cannot tell that to everybody. No, I'm kidding. So the secret is uh, the actual good Skellige deck is Seagold. Uh, the actual good Skellige deck is extremely difficult to play. So even I, who am a pretty good player, I reached 2600 with it last season. I'm still not playing it very well. Uh, well, I'm not playing it perfectly optimally, but it's extremely good in current meta. You just completely annihilate all Renfrey decks. You auto-win all Renfrey matchups if you, if you don't misplay. I'm just saying that after getting destroyed by them yesterday, but that's because I, I didn't play optimally, not because what I'm saying is wrong. Stigwald is extremely good in this meta right now because we don't have any kind of control. Um, so Seagull is very good, but Pirates are also good, yeah. Pirates are also definitely good. Uh, I wish Pirates were good uh, for a reason that doesn't involve a 17.5p card, but uh, yeah, that is the main reason. Uh, the new pirate card is really good. I don't think the pirate scenario is very good. I think uh, I'm a big doubter of pirate scenario, but it seems uh, it seems like most meta pirate decks that I see on ladder are playing the scenario from hand. I don't like it. I think you should either play it from compass or just play Kucha. But uh, it seems most people like the pirate scenario. Um, so yes, Kelige is in a pretty good spot. It has at least two viable decks right now. Of course, we have to see how the meta devolves. Evolves, I mean. If Rentry uh, is still a thing, then Sigwald will just come back in force on ladder uh, because it has such a fantastic matchup against those Rentry decks. Uh, otherwise, yeah, Pirates are also a viable... Uh... It's funny because with all the people I talked to, everybody was agreeing on one thing. You cannot nerf Sensor if you don't nerf Sigwald. Well, I guess CDPR said, yes, we can. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, since Sensor is gone, that's another card that was a hard counter to Sigvold gone. So, I don't know. I don't know. Sigvold seems to be in a good spot right now, despite the Melus in nerf. Yep. As, as a follow-up to the Pirate question, uh, what's your opinion as a pro player of a freaking Sigil being a Pirate? I think it's fair. I guess it's, if it's seagulls are like kind of pirates. Uh, in, like seagulls are kind of in pirate stories all the time, you know. So I, I'm like, it's not all. It's not straight up a pirate, but I guess they get a pass. I guess they get a pass. Like they want to force archetypes. We know that. We know that some cards that are not raids are raids. We know that some cards that have nothing to do with warfare are warfare. We know that some stuff that are not tactics are tactics. What are you we talking know... about? Obsidian Mirror is totally a very yeah, tactical totally approach. Yeah, totally a tactic. <laughs> totally a tactic, yeah. Such a bad so, card, uh, by the way. <laughs> so they get a, such a bad card, you say, no, it's really good. Oh, really? It, yeah, in previous meta, it, it, it was really, 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 really good. Again, I, I'm watching lots of Nick R streams, so I, I keep talking about him. But he was he was explaining he was talking about that card. He was saying that because chat was again harassing him for like, like oh, why are you playing this shit? Why are you playing this shit? He was like, you're playing in a simulate. You're gonna play Calvit. 
You're gonna mulligan it away if you don't need it, and you're never gonna see it. But in certain matchups, it will play for five thousand. Well, figure of speech. But uh, for example, against Scoyatel, you copy the Rodidorfs, and you have a card that played. Uh, you have four provision card that played for uh, three plus uh, three plus four plus four plus four. So uh, for fifteen, that's pretty good. Against, uh, against you Sorry? Against Sigvold, if you get the a couple yeah, of Yeah, against Sigvold. You get the, the boat the veteran, and the cultist. Uh, the veterans pop to, to eight immediately if you copy And the veteran, yeah. You copy a boat, you copy a cultist, you copy a veteran. It's insane. Uh, against uh, NR, you copy three siege engines. It's pretty good. Uh, no, and no, if it's no. bad, if you're in a bad matchup, you just mulligan it away and Calvit put it on the bottom and you never see it again. So I think it's, an actu it's actually a pretty good card. It was, at least in previous meta. I don't know about this one. Yeah, it, it I, must be my personal experience then, because I, whenever I actually thought this card is going to be good in this matchup, it always played for like five points. <laughs> I think the point is you have to know in advance what you're going to do exactly with it. And if you don't know what you're going to do exactly with it, you have to mulligan it. You mm -hmm. either need to have a plan, you, you need to be like, oh, he will play Cultist, Boat, and I will copy it. Or he will play road, um, Dwarven Berserkers and I will copy it. If you don't think those things are going to happen, you just mulligan it away and forget about it. I think that's how you should uh, and, view it. And it's, it's six extra points on Shalemar. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is also a very strong card to last season. I, I love Shalemar. I've always loved Shalemar. And every yeah. single time I make a deck that has Shalemar in it, I get people in the comment section, why are you including this card? It's bullshit. Yep. Come yep. on, it was yep. played... Yep. At the Gwent Open once, it means it's, it is viable. It's it's usually like 15 to, uh, 16, 20 points. Want to know something fun about the Gwent Open and decks that were played in there? Uh, two of my decks have been played at uh, like two or three opens. Two decks that I personally made, made have been played at all qualifiers for the last seasons and uh, on all the opens. Now, all I need to do is get there myself. Uh, yeah. I'm the one who created the Muta Generator Siege. I'm the one who created this deck. And uh, it got modified a bit, like two cards got changed, but I'm the one who had the idea to play those two, those two archetypes together. Uh, so Lerio built the Muta Generator deck, but it wasn't playing Siege at all. It was playing uh, dual stuff and uh, Moshi Truffle and uh, Rafard. That was like, no, no, no. This makes lots of sense in Siege. And the second one is alumni. So uh, again, alumni was also an, well. Alumni is a more complicated story, but yeah. Now I don't know why I went to the tangent. All I'm saying is I need to get to the open now. My decks went there. Now I need to get there as well. Yeah. Soon, soon, Gabriel. Or maybe soon. maybe That's you could cool. ask for royalties. Like whenever your deck <laughs> appears in the open, somebody has to give you like ten percent of their winnings. No, just give me a 10% of their spot. Like I, I get to play one game, they get to play all the other ones. <laughs> I'd like that. I'd like that. <laughs> I I do wanna I do wanna go back to Seagull just really quickly because mm -hmm. I, I believe it's the most flavorful card of the entire expansion. It's kinda cool. You you hit three things. If it's damaged, you get a bunch of other seagulls all mm -hmm. going through mm -hmm. the food that you just created. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, if something dies, you have a corpse, all the seagulls go back to the corpse. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I like the flavor as well. And I, I think mean, design was, it's also interesting. It's not as flavorful as Freshnet. Yeah, The indeed. ultimate that, giant That was that not in this expansion. <laughs> yeah, I don't get the Freshnet one. 
it's 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 because he's uh he's basically a, a young dryad factory which is his purpose in the the books as oh, well oh i just got it <laughs> that's actually hilarious i just got it i see that's why he spawns young dryads oh okay yeah. i got it i never thought about it that way that's actually it's, really funny yeah it's a sex joke yeah i got it i got it now <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's probably the most flavorful card right now. Yeah. The most lore-friendly card in the game. I gotta agree, that's pretty funny. I, I, I must imagine agree. that was some sort of design meeting at CDPR where, they, where somebody just had a, like a, a, a bright bulb above their head. <laughs> oh yeah, oh my god. <laughs> and the more vitality he has, the more of them he spawns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree, that's oh. a fun one. Alright. Uh, where were again? we? Again? <laughs> Did, did you want to say something wise? Yeah, I, no, I just asked where were we because I, I where were we? Yeah, so there there was one more faction that we needed to talk about, and that's Syndicate. Oh, the, the, um, the big brain faction. Yeah, the big brain faction. So I think the the most interesting mechanics wise that we change that we've seen for Syndicate is the fact that a lot of the new horde abilities are tied to fee ability, well the other way around. So the fee abilities have a horde requirement. Mm-hmm. Um. So some people say that's annoying. Other people say it makes it more interesting, versatile, and more complex. Um, what's your stance on the the new mechanic? Uh, well, not new, but I'm gonna give you the same boring answer. My stance on the new mechanic is play old decks. My stance on the new SI mechanic is that probably both old Devotion SI and uh, Necker SI are probably better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's probably some cheese you can do with villagers and with the new card. Not probably, there definitely is, there definitely is. But how viable that is, I'm not sure yet. Maybe we will, I think SI has potential. Okay, let me rephrase it. Uh, as much as I think cultists will probably not be playable, as much as I think uh, Harmony will not be playable, I think SI is the one where we could see a new deck pop off. I, if I was to gamble on one faction having one of the new archetypes pop off, it would be SI. I think there's a chance we, because it's a difficult deck to build, and I think there's a good chance of something popping off with SI, uh, with the new archetype, because it has a crazy ceiling. It has a crazy ceiling with stuff like villagers, with stuff like scenario getting you infinite money and infinite removal. Uh, in a long round, it has good potential. Uh, whether or not it will be meta is very hard to say, because it, right now it has two glaring weaknesses. One is uh, bleed. You can very easily bleed it, as I said before. And two is heat wave, obviously. But maybe there's something you can do without scenario. Maybe there's something you can do without horde leader. Just play the new card with some a bunch of villagers. I know Puzzle Express, who was in chat earlier, mm-hmm. made some BS happen with villagers. I don't have his exact deck list, but I know he's playing some BS deck with villagers. With all due respect, Puzzle, I'm saying BS in a nice way, of course. I mean, I'm saying it in a way that he made something work. And I'm not was... sure exactly what he's doing, but I'm going to say there's potential with villagers. Mm-hmm. I think that the, I saw I saw some screen, screenshots with like 500 plus points. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I think uh, and you can do. But I mean, even if you don't go for the 500 points plus, which, which would involve a scenario, even if you go for the... Villager plays for 15 route, that's already fantastic, you know. You play it in, I think Puzzle is playing it in Necker deck, if I remember correctly. If you get a 15 power uh, 6p in a Necker deck, that's really good. It also means you got a bunch of money, so I don't know. 
We'll have to ask the man himself, but I think there's potential yeah. with... Uh, I think SI has potential is what I'm trying to say. I think the card that has the most potential, uh, the archetype that has the most potential to see play and to have new stuff happen is SI. I'm not saying it ha is going to happen. I'm still a doubter. I still don't believe too much in the scenario because it, it requires a long run too much. Mm -hmm. uh, but but there might be a way. There might be a way. I guess we'll have to wait for like maybe a rent-free nerf uh, or maybe just see how meta evolves during the months. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be widely played. It could be played on the ladder, specifically the higher levels, but not. It's it's never gonna be widely played because let's be honest, it has a serious disadvantage for 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 average players. Like there there is no way you are un, you are going to understand these cards in mm. and play them correctly in a minute. Like it just Fair enough. I re, I remember reviewing those new cards on um, during the tournament, the Gwent Worldwide tournament. We had we had a moment to look at them and I read them like three or four times and I still didn't exactly understand how they're going to work. So, so imagine being a newer player or, or, or just a more, mm. more average player, if it's even possible, be more average than me. Uh, <laughs> like, there is no way you can play correctly. Yeah, fair enough. That's a fair argument. Again, I'm, I'm very concerned. Like, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I don't mean to sound elitist, but I, I'm concerned about the competitive stuff, right? So for me, I don't even know what is played on lower ranks. I haven't left pro in like six months, so... Uh, again, I'm not saying it to sound elitist or something. I'm just saying I actually don't know what's happening uh, on. Dude, rank five. You, if you play, if you play rank five, you're gonna feel like you smoke some weed and it's the best weed of your life, and there's no drawbacks. Like the stuff you see there. Oh man. To be fair, the stuff I see in pro rank makes me, I blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, how did this guy made it to pro? Yesterday I had a game against, uh, no, not yesterday, two, years, two days ago, against Renfri Nilfgaard. Uh, he went, so it was, we were playing round two. I was at like 60 points, something like that. He was at like 30 points and he was bleeding me. And uh, so he played a card, okay, he was at like 35, I was at like 60, I had two cards left. I played one, no, I had three cards left. Uh, he was already two cards down, so he had like one more card to play. He plays the one card, he doesn't catch up, and he passes. Like, dude, like he just literally throws the one card away and gives me a free pass. He, he was the one bleeding, so he, he plays his last card while staying behind me. And, um, like, he literally, it's, it's as if he discarded his card. And mm -hmm. he, it, was, it was on pro rank, and it was on fairly high uh, MMR. It was at, like... 2460, which is very good in, during the early season. And seeing this kind of player, like, over there, it made me like, oh, sure, like, that, that's the Renfrey effect. Like, really uh, suboptimal plays do not get punished. Uh, he's probably one of the guys who, like, figured out early that Renfrey is OP, slammed a million games on Renfrey, just turned off his brain and made awful plays, but could still rank up because of the sheer power level. Mm -hmm. of the new part, I don't know. Yeah, speaking of friend free and and um and rank five, it actually happened on rank four, uh, as a matter of fact. So I was playing against uh, NR, and I already knew it was rent free because it had more cards in the deck than required. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, it has to be rent free. So uh... I was playing cultists, and my hand was awkward, but I was like a million points ahead, round one. I thought, okay, if he if he 
commit like three or four more cards to win this round. He has to drive past round two. And that gives me a long round three, so that's easy, easy coldest million points. Uh, and then, after I passed, he plays Fall Test onto Renfrew's gang. And then he plays the Scouts. And then, <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. Uh, and then he was playing, like, the, you know, those are big boys, like six points each. Man, he he did really bleed me. <laughs> <laughs> like, with, with, like, three or four cards less, like, he just played those guys for, uh, for like, 30-something points opening play. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, I've seen that deck. I know that deck. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, 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 it's probably like the best application of Renfrey. I've seen that deck. I've seen Cintron Line play this deck. But, but it, it's, it's also weird that that kind of creates a situation where a neutral card is better than the faction card that has the same function. Oh yeah, that would be something that never happened before, right? No, Neutrals no. being too strong. Never heard of that. <laughs> that would definitely be no, something but, that never but I mean, happened. It, it's, it's really specific, like Commandos is really specific in what they do, and then you create a bronze. Yeah, I mean, which is just strictly better. But it's better, yeah. yeah. I, I'm no. going to tell you this, Trovi. Uh, Elder Bear at 644 is better than like 50% of four provision faction-based cards. Yep, yep. <laughs> Yep. I'm gonna cry now. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Especially in Novgard when you have things like Nozica um Nozica Brigade or or are oh, uh, or the Deathwind Arbalest or Slave Driver is a good example of a really bad card. Oh Slave Driver and the and the worst of the worst, the Art V and Light Cavalry. The guy that hits armor and then you get to repeat the ability, oh, which is like super so duper bad. conditional six four four, I think. Yeah. And uh, then Nausicaa, you can Nausicaa's his play though. Nausicaa brigades brigades his play right now. No, Nausicaa Surgency's play, the green one. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. The one the one the, 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 the horse engine's guy, his the green play. horse guy. The black one is terrible. The, the green okay, one is Okay, 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 okay. Okay, yeah, I got them confused. The I meant one. the green one, you know the guy who's on a horse? Yeah, yeah. The green it, guy. I play it in a lot of decks. It's it's honestly a good card. Uh, yeah, and, it is. And, and even even if it doesn't generate a lot of value, people will have to spend their control on that. Solid true. engine. True, true, true. It is a good card. I agree. But moving on, because we keep digressing here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, the the topic of syndicate actually brings us to uh, to tribalism because for a while mm. it seemed the devs were moving away from tribal decks like they didn't want to see any more soldiers knights whatever but then you know pirates were a thing witchers were a thing um, and it seems black sun kind of contradicts that theory even further so my question is how do you see tribal decks and their future in Gwent? Oh, I would say that tags matter very little, honestly. Uh, honestly, there's almost no case. Well, like you have witchers that kind of synergize a little bit with each other. You have the gangs in Skellige, I guess. I mean, in Syndicate, where it matters the most. I guess you have some pirate archetype. You have the pirate archetype in Skellige, but ultimately, I don't think uh, tags are gonna matter that much. But I wouldn't mind making. Like, I don't care if uh, they do it in a tribal or non-tribal way. I think just uh, tag archetypes are cool. I like the fact that knights synergize with each other. I kind of like the fact that pirates synergize with each other. I, I kind of like the tags being used. I kind of like it. I mean, the tribal tags. Uh, whether or not uh, there will be 
neutral tribes or non-neutral. Honestly, I haven't thought too much about it, but all in all, I don't mind them. I don't mind them, let's just say. Alright, and because we are kind of short on time and we have quite a few more questions to ask, including the golden question that's coming very soon. Um, we already discussed this uh, in, in some detail. Um, one aspect of the game that, that we see being elevated once again is carryover. Mm, it be through uh, the veteran, infused keyword, graveyard interaction, or in case of Renfrew, the ability itself. What's your take on the ever-increasing value of carryover in Gwent? That's a good question. Um, I like most of it. It might be a controversial take, but I like most of it. I think some of it is handled in a good way and some of it is not handled in a good way. One of the ones that are not handled in a good way, in my opinion, is Veteran. I don't think Veteran is handled a very good way. It creates, again, a dynamic where you're very weak early and much stronger later. I'm not sure I like that. The ones I kind of like are, for example, uh, gaining armor on your pirates is an interesting mechanic. I mean, okay, uh, so uh, let me rephrase. I think I went in the wrong direction. I think the right direction to answer your, your question is carryover makes round one relevant. If we didn't have carryover, uh, there are too many matchups where round one would be completely irrelevant. And um, at least with carryover, you have to think a bit harder on round one on stuff to do. Like another example of carryover that I think is not handled in a good way was um, in SI, in SI and uh, Cyrus Hemelfart. Um, one of the carryovers you would get is you had to eat a unit with uh, the Inquisitor, and then you spawn back the Inquisitor and he spawns the unit with Hemelfart. That's one of the ways where I don't think it was interest an interesting mechanic because you just either you get it early on or you don't. Either you get it in round one and you just play it with no, with no tempo loss, or you don't get it and your Cyrus is a little bit worse. But I, I digress, that wasn't even a big thing in the deck. All in all, I think carryover is an interesting mechanic as long as it doesn't get abused. I don't think you should be carrying over like two... Like, for example, Alumni is my favorite deck of all time, or at least one of my favorite decks of all time. But the fact that so much is decided round one probably not that great always like alumni the deck that entirely gets almost entirely decided uh by round one carryover um and i like the deck i like the deck but i wouldn't want uh too many decks like that i wouldn't want all faction having an alumni like deck where round one carryover decides everything uh chat is asking how do i feel about uh, hand buff carryover and i think I don't have strong feelings about it. I think it's uh, it's an archetype that's not very strong right now. It's display because of uh, rent free, but I don't I don't mind carryover as long as it's reasonable. I don't mind carryover as long as uh, you have to pay a price for it. As long as you have to pay a price of tempo. But then again, the problem with that is binary, not binary. It's decks like warriors. Warriors is one of the decks I really dislike the most. There's a new expansion because basically if you're on blue coin, you almost automatically lose. And if you're on red coin, you're playing a strong deck. And I don't like that at all. I don't like that mechanic. So basically, if you're on blue coin, if you're on red coin, you just slam your uh, mountain warlords who play for no who, for, who do nothing. And then you you have a strong round two and round three. But if you do this on blue coin, you're just gonna lose lose a card. You're gonna pay a price. But on red coin, you don't pay a price. And I don't I don't like that kind of um, dynamic. I just say. 
Yeah, to add into that point, um, hand buff and specifically a hybrid hand buff movement is probably one of the very few non-Nilfgaard decks that I'm kind of obsessed with and that I keep trying every every patch or every other patch. And last season, because of the lack of control, right, people were just playing uh, all kinds of uh, mid-range decks, Mm-hmm. I had a lot of success with with hand buff uh, movement. Oh man, like the, the, those spicy round three buffed witchers oh, hmm. felt good, man. Because you still could win round one with uh, with just Saskia. Saskia is yeah, just true. so good. True, 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 true. Saskia Simlas, you can commit a lot round one if you draw, if, you, if you draw these tools, and then round three you are relying on your actual engines. The problem, once again, is lack of control, right? The problem is, once again, lack of control. For example, you probably, no matter what you do, you cannot beat something like Sigvald, probably. You probably just auto-lose Sigvald with that kind of deck if the opponent knows what he's playing, what he's doing. Uh, you probably auto-lose Siege, um, Muta Generator Siege, because he can... Actually, no, that's not true. Muta Generator Siege had a bad... Actually, Handbuff was one of the bad matchups of Muta Siege, which is weird. But yeah, you, you, you get the, the problem is no control, so uh, probably a sim could be bad. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It, it makes sense. I, I, like, I like this kind of decks. All right, then moving yeah. on. And I think yes. it's the golden question. Yeah, yeah Trovi, yeah, yeah. the All floor right. is yours. Drum, drum roll, drum roll. So the topic everyone was waiting for. Let's, uh, let's head into uh, again free. So what is your stance on her and the overall balancing of neutral cards we talked about it a little bit already. oh man yeah. so uh, she's actually on the screen right now popping off <laughs> the art is fantastic so i cannot hate the art the art is so good that i cannot hate it uh but but so i actually surprised myself at how fucking mad i got on stream i i didn't i i i, it, I wasn't acting or anything i just were genuinely mad I was genuinely fuming at the fact that messing up the balance on one card is fine, but how do we have the same problem in Gwen since closed beta? How do we have the same problem, the problem that isn't present in other TCGs? That's a problem that you have in Gwent. You have sometimes overpowered neutrals in other TCGs, but in Gwent it's been since fucking forever that you have those auto-include neutrals that, that are deck-defining. Well, maybe not always deck-defining, but auto-include. You had the Witcher trio at the beginning. Then you had Gipi Gerwind. You had the Unicorn duo. You had uh, Arendite Golden Necker stuff that was everywhere. You had... Uh, I'm forgetting something obvious, I think. I'm forgetting some obvious neutral that was also overpowered, but... You talked the, about for as well. Roach. There were others. There were others. There were so many just straight up busted overpowered neutrals. Renew. Renew is a good example. Renew was everywhere at some point. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It just blows my mind that they just, my advice would be just don't release any more neutrals. I think, I think nobody would care. I think we would all prefer if there were no neutrals at all rather than every time we see like so many new cool cards and none of them will see play because an overpowered neutral is just completely dominating the meta. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just gen- genuinely upset with that. I'm just like, I don't know how they keep making the same mistake. Like, it, it blows my mind. If, if, for example, like Cat, Cat is cancer, Cat is overpowered, fine. But at least, at least you can mess up the balance on a... Like, it, it can happen. We cannot expect 
there to the balance to be perfect in every faction. But can but how hard was it to tune down Renfrey? How hard was it to not repeat the mistake that had been done like 100 times? I'm not a game designer. When I reviewed Renfrey, I instantly called it. I said, I said that's a terribly designed card because it will either be completely unplayable or it will be insane. How hard was it to like not, not give us another overpowered neutral? I'm not even sure Renfrey will stay meta, but that's not the point. Renfrey, uh, Renfrey completely ruined the release of the expansion because now she just slammed everywhere and it's I don't know it's really I don't know it's really it's really it's really upsetting to me that we we have a new meta where again everybody's playing Red Free and uh, it's a completely um, uninteresting card I think I saw some people say oh the mechanic is cool I disagree the mechanic isn't very interesting it's just uh, it's just Play a slightly worse deck and have a fifty-point card with carryover in your in your deck. And I think one of the main problems with Renfri are two options. There are two options that need. If if tomorrow you remove those two option, options, Renfri is kind of balanced. Uh, one is remove a power of a unit with ten or less power, and the second one is cooldown seven. You remove those two options, the card is already kind of acceptable, but. Uh, the fact that those two options are present is just like everything worse about Gwent. RNG, if you high roll those two options, I just for when one opponent finds remove 10, cooldown 7, I just forfeit. Whether my matchup is good or not, I just can't be asked to play against this stuff. Like, he just high rolled the best option. He He's playing, he didn't do anything smart, he just high rolled. And I don't know, I, I think everything wrong about Gwent is present in Renfrey. Overpowered neutral. On interesting game design that doesn't require skill and of course RNG and uh, I don't know I think Renfrey is every, everything wrong with Gwent uh, in one card I really don't like it uh, I think uh, and as, as for potential nerfs I think the one that needs to happen ASAP is remove the option remove a unit with 10 or less power if you do this then then you can the game will become more playable and uh, on more serious nerfs, um, on more serious nerfs, uh, it's probably the requirement should be like have thirty units in your deck. And now you're you're forced to play an actual shit deck. You're forced to play an actual shit deck, and your payoff is you play a fun meme card. Um, chat is asking. I don't understand that cooldown seven. Why is it good in NR decks? No, not in NR decks. Uh, the, the strongest Renfrey decks right now uh, are Nilgard and Handbuff. And uh, basically, uh, you play Renfrey as early as you can, and you get, um, you get uh, to play the leader three times. If you play Renfrey early, you get to play the fucking leader three times, which is nonsense. Four times if you are zero. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Four times if you are zero. That, that's, just, that's just nonsense. And uh, yeah, I think I. The funniest thing is, I'm not sure it will remain meta because uh, yesterday I saw Kazuya. You know Kazuya, right? He's a he's a top player. He's all, often on the top of the leaderboard. He's a friend of uh, Elder Blood guys. He's a cool guy as well. He was already jamming Sigwald. I was already jamming Sigwald. Nick R was jamming Sigwald. So some top players are understanding that Sigwald counters Renfrey really well. So if more people start doing this and just farming Renfrey, 
then we will have an interesting dynamic where uh, because of that, people will probably start playing heat waves in their deck to counter sig. I don't know. I, I'm just saying the the meta can evolve. The meta can evolve. It's it's not fixed. We will see how it goes. But I think a fact that we can all agree, both three, all three of us and Chad, is that Renfri ruined game release. That when people should be testing new cards, everybody was playing just Renfri decks instead. And I think the most fun period, which is new expansion time, got completely ruined because of an, an overpowered neutral. And um... while, they, while they were explaining the ability, I also felt like they were going into a more balanced direction because I thought because they called them curses and blessings I thought the blessings were going to be positive effects and then the curses were going to be negative effects yes for the one who played Renfri so it's yes. balancing out like basically like like in a in a roguelike that you're choosing buffs and debuffs yes you know why they did it in that infused way I, I learned about it yesterday it's because you cannot copy it with Anna Henrietta yeah, if you if if both of them were just if he, if she was just replacing your leader, Anna Henrietta would completely be crazy with Renfrey. But now, uh, she only copies the curse. I think yep. Aces raised a good point. Um, he said that according to Shimiri, who obviously is part of CDPR's near circle, uh, the card was even better in the PDR, and it's not something that happens for the first time. I I remember Shimiri saying exactly the same thing when Iced was released. And I on release was absolutely nuts. I remember saying, and that's when PDR uh, included all partners, when CDPR was dead set on the idea of having Syndicate carrying over coins at full value. So Oof. things like that happened in the past. It's nothing new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fa well. Pharaoh in chat also um, clarifies that it's cursing your opponent's side and blessing your own. But even then, I think the mechanic would have been int more interesting if you need to choose a debuff yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. So yeah, all in all, uh, I'm not upset because balance got messed up. I was expecting uh, balance to be messed up. I'm upset because it's in the same way that we've had since like six years with overpowered neutrals. It's the same way, the same way again, again, a neutral that is way too strong. Like, at that point, just don't make any more neutrals. Just don't make them. Like, we will all be fine. Or just make, like... Uh, I'd rather not gamble on them making <clears throat> strong uh, neutrals balanced. So, I I, I, say, I know I said there were there are a few that are well-balanced. Like, the, the other guy, I don't remember his name. Eldibald. 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 Eldibald, I think, is a good neutral. Um, I think... Uh, I think uh, Puzzle Box is a fantastic neutral. I think uh, Vial of Forbidden Knowledge is a fantastic neutral. I think there's a bunch of really good neutrals, but for all those fantastic neutrals, you have one that just ruins the game. And I'd rather not have those good neutrals. I'd rather not have neutrals at all than have those good neutrals, but also have those completely bag-breaking, game-destroying neutrals every time. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a follow-up question concerning Renfrey, but it feels it's going to be very, very rhetorical. Yeah. Uh, because the theory that, that we had at designing this question was Renfrey could result in the Golden Necker effect, which means that regardless of the faction and package um, you build around it, the deck is going to feel samey. And I think it's already happening. 
Oh yeah, it is. So the only way to play Nilwar right now is with Renfri. The only way to play uh, ST competitively right now is with Renfri. The best pirate deck is with Renfri. Uh, I guess NR and Renfri is not that good because, uh, you, well, it would still be playable, but it's it's bad. Um, it's worse than other stuff. I mean, uh, monsters Renfri or Cat uh, or both. Um, Syndicate doesn't see play yet, but I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, which is, uh, well, it is what it is, I guess, and we'll see how it develops. But right now it ruined my fun a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know all decks counter her. I know you play Seagull, you counter her. I know you play um, Siege and counter her, but I wanted to experiment with new stuff, but now I can't be quiet. To be fair, I did reach 2500 with a deck that isn't rent-free, is new, and isn't also abusing any mechanics. So, but it was through lots of pain, tears, and sweat, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like at a, quite a high cost to my sanity, I think. All right, I, th- I think we can round off the the Gwen section with with a, on a more positive note by uh, just asking about uh, Gwent Rogue Mage, the 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 new. Uh, ex- but it's also called a, a Gwent single player expansion, uh, even though it's it's standalone, of course. Um, have you played it already? I have, and I like it a lot. Uh, I like the game genre. Uh, I'm a big Slay the Spire fan. Mm-hmm. I have like, I think 1000 hours or something on Slay the Spire, probably more actually. I don't know. I just know I, I've played it an insane amount of time. Um, I like the game mode. I just hope it's not too easy. Right now, I've only completed first chapter, and it was kind of easy, but I've heard that it becomes harder later. So my main fear is that uh, it doesn't become too easy. But if it doesn't, then I think it's very fun. I think it's very fun. Um, have you, for your, for yourself, compared it to other uh, similar modes uh before like for example part of champions in in uh, legends of runeterra or i actually haven't played played legends of runeterra but compared to something like like obviously it's not as good as slay the spire but slay the spire is uh genre defining right but Mm -hmm. i've played a lot of slay the spire clones uh because i i'm a big 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 slay the spire fan so i've played lots of uh, games uh that are similar to slay the spire i'm not gonna plug them here but i've played a lot of them and uh Let's just say that Rogue Mage does not feel worse than them. It feels better. It feels much better. So I think even if I wasn't a Gwent guy, um, I would be playing... Uh, like, let's say I was just a Slay the Spire guy, I would be playing Rogue Mage. It so is, I think is that that's good. good. <laughs> <laughs> it convinced Gabane, so we... Uh... Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I, I I actually have a little bit of a mixed opinion on on Rogue Mage, because I did play Path of Champions. Of course, it was on uh, on the wave of arcane hype. Uh, and and comparing these two modes, I feel like Path of Champions has a lot more depth and a lot more freedom, because you have. 12 champions, if I'm not mistaken, leveling them up significantly alters the way you play them. So basically it has everything that Rogue Mage has, and then some and then a lot more on top. But at the same time, it's not the Witcher universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I would say that Rogue Mage is better in a sense it is the Witcher universe, and that's what attracts me to the game. But looking at gameplay. 
purely, I think Path of Champions is just significantly better designed because it offers you so much more. And on top of that, it's free. It's uh, a mode within Legends of Runeterra. Winning or playing games in Path of Champions contributes to your uh, weekly vault. So it actually finishes your in-game quests as well. So you get rewards for playing. I, I the, the one thing that I don't understand about Rogue Mage, and don't get me wrong, the game is really, the, the game is really cool to play. I, I love it. Is why are they so obsessed with it being played offline? Like, what else? It's 2022. Everyone is playing online. Like, even in the remote, remote part of the world, you have access to internet at enough speed to play this game so they could as well say well next step is to release it on cds it just makes no sense whatsoever why are they obsessed with it uh, being played offline i don't know I don't because the, qu the, qu the question was always why is it not linked to gwent why are we not getting any rewards or or any other perks oh, for playing this in gwent? Okay. yeah because we want it to be played offline but why Mm, Why do you okay. want it to be played offline? I didn't yeah. know about that. I'm guessing also for, far, the, for the people you... that are on the road or something, I want to just... I think that's for the, the mobile crowd, right? I mean, just if you're somewhere without internet. I mean, we are in the... At least we are in the EU. You know, the best place to live. Not mm. totally objectively. So we have, mm. we have free internet wherever we go. No roaming True. fees. True. Um, so right now what you've done is convinced me to try Passive Champions, not to dislike Rogue Mage, but to try something else, because I, I'm such an avid roguelike enjoyer, so to me, so I'm a very specific public, right, that's why I might be too optimistic, because I'm a very, I'm a very specific category of player who really like this genre. I will play all of the, of the games available in this genre, I will play all of them. I played some shitty uh, Slays the Spyro clones, which were basically just ripoffs just for the new content. That's how much I like the genre. So, uh, so again, I'm very optimistic about Rogue Mage because it's really in the kind of stuff that I enjoy. Uh, I'm going to try Passive Champions now as well. Even though I've never played Runeterra, I'm going to try Passive Champions because I really like uh, the genre. I, I only play Path of Champions and Legends of Runeterra. Yeah, and okay. I, I think it's fair to say that it's more complex than rogue mage at least as far as i've gotten in rogue mm -hmm. mage That's is it the same structure is it also like a roguelike you build uh, you get cards you get yes. treasures oh i'm i'm absolutely gonna play the shit out uh, of but this. the main difference is you have what you can describe as leader abilities uh and uh you have a map just like in rogue mage and you have different regions, like uh, Piltover and Zone is the, the first region you get to. And even there, I'm, I'm not sure if they changed that, but if, when I was playing, even there you had like different champions, because you could play as Jinx, you could play as Vi, you could play as um, Lux, Caitlyn. Whatever, yeah. and basically, you had like five, six champions in only that area. And then each champion has like various different runs and levels, so there's so much more content. Hmm. Okay, I will definitely give it a try. I think I will definitely give it a try. I will play Rogue Mage, I will also play Passive Champions, I will also play Standard, and I will also never have a life. But uh, I guess that's the price. I guess that's a curse to, to get this blessing, which is how Renfrew should have been. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, it's something to, to, uh, to think about and to play when you feel like Quint is not exactly... What you would like to indulge yourself yourself in? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will definitely give it a... I will definitely check it out. I will definitely check it out. Um, yeah, I'm a big Slade Spire fan, so I will, I will definitely play those games as well. But moving on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the final part that we wanted to, well, aside from a, a, a short personal Q&A after this, sure. um, it was uh, competitive Gwent. Um, so did you watch the latest Open? Um, can I just for 30 literal seconds leave and be back? Like, not even 30 seconds, 10 seconds. All right, one, two, three. Counting down. <laughs> Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Path of Champions for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> it's it's a good game. Uh, the chat cannot blame us. And and to be honest, um, I remember, and it's, it's, a, it's a story while Gabate is gone. We were prepping the episode with Jason Slamma. It was like two years ago. So we had to add him to our friends lists on Discord. And I was almost shocked when I saw his status playing Hearthstone, like almost every day. <laughs> Sorry, what was uh, we're talking about the open, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, I absolutely uh, watched the open. I casted it actually on, in Russian uh, with Nick R. We co-casted it with Nick R and Headkit. Um, so first things first, Gandhi top. Uh, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Gandhi yeah. top. <laughs> uh, of course, I was very happy. Like I was already excited about the the open because i usually don't watch quent i never watch quent but this open i was very excited about because uh Kunar is a cool guy i know him he's in my chat i like him so Kunar is a cool guy magpie is a player i respect a lot i wanted to watch him he's also a very good friend of uh, the russian guys i hang out with so uh that's also somebody i wanted to win Lerio face reveal uh Lerio is a very important member of the Gwent community he's also a very cool guy that's also somebody I wanted to watch. Uh, Pajabol is a fantastic player, we all know. Also very cool guy. Uh, Mystical is a friend of mine. Uh, that was his first Open, despite him being probably, I don't know, a top five player right now. He's probably mm-hmm. one of the best players in the world right now. Probably a top five player. That was his first Open, also first face reveal. I was very excited to watch him. Um, Gandalf, of course, is first open. Gandalf is a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours. Uh, we all love Gandalf, so I was, I was rooting for him very hard. But, you know, it was stress-free because it was Gandalf versus Mystical. And as I said, Mystical is also a friend of mine. So I was, I was happy in both cases. Of course, Gandalf is a teammate, so I was especially happy that Gandalf won. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed watching this open a lot because it was full of people I liked. And I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. I hope he will not hold it against me. Uh, I, I know there was somebody. Oh, no, Spelling Bee, I didn't know, actually. Spelling Bee, I, I, I was not familiar with him. But I, I played against him on ladder, and he, he was also doing a face reveal, so I thought that was yeah. cool. And, and he got a uh, lot of negative comments in, in, in chat. That was so bullshit. That yeah. I, I was watching CDPR chat, and I was so disappointed. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, uh, of course, I don't know him, so I can't tell for sure. I, I was watching Hesser at the time, and he was like... Well, what, what what is going on here? And we actually did some googling, and apparently he's a Sikh. It's uh it's a religious group uh, originally from India and Pakistan, so that's the head that explains the headgear. They normally they have very long hair that they that they are not allowed to cut. So um this is part of their headgear. They were under the turban to keep it comfortable. And the Sikh are actual absolute bro tier, like. Uh... 
the Sikh are really cool people. Like uh, as much as you, okay, I'm not gonna go into politics. I was about to say as much as you can sometimes criticize. No, I'm, we're not gonna criticize anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was really sad. That was really sad. The com- sad the comments he got, especially since the Sikh are very peaceful and uh, cool people. Especially because of that, like those are one. Of, the Sikh are probably one of the most peaceful and friendly communities there are. So there's there really is no there there's no reason to hate anyone. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's okay to hate some people and not others. But I'm but what I'm saying is that uh, hating on the Sikh is especially like weird because those are some of the friendliest people I've met. Not to mention the glorious beard at the age of I think it's 15 or 16. Man, she's that young. No yeah, way. if I had a beard like that at that age, I I can grow a beard now, and I'm 32. Yeah. Dude, I'm jealous. There's no way he was that young. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I agree. That was a top-tier beard. Hard Definitely. to argue with that. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, the the comments were really, really out of. Oh, that's out, that's out of always point. like that, right? The comments yeah. always hate on it was everyone. Also, it was also weird. Then they they started realizing. Okay, it's it's very bad to be discussing well la- laughing at, at a piece of headgear or something like that and then it just went straight to oh why is he looking at his phone constantly why is he playing on on, on his phone on mobile or something okay. oh, yeah when he was obviously just <laughs> looking at deck lists on his phone yeah. yeah which is something you should do you should have double screen uh but yeah I, all in all all in all i think the open was very uh, i okay so one feedback i got is that oh players played terribly and I'm assuming the feedback happened because I haven't watched the official cast, so I'm not throwing shade at Lionheart or Beastie. I am not, let me be clear. I haven't watched, so I don't know if that's actually the case. But I'm assuming casters did a weird job and was, were calling some plays bad when they weren't bad. Because I was casting with, again, one of the best players in the world, and he, he did not seem to think the plays were garbage. There were a few questionable plays, yes, sure. Like, I'm gonna call out Gandalf because he's our friend, right? And it's easier to call out your friends. Gandalf made a few questionable plays, but he's, he played fantastically except of that. Anyone who says Gandalf play, played like shit is just has no idea of how the game works. Anybody who says anybody on the open played like shit has no idea how the game works. There are some mm-hmm. lines that are not obvious to new players mm-hmm. or even experienced players, even to me. I'm a top 64 player and I learned some lines by hanging out with the top of the top. I learned some stuff like I didn't understand. I was like asking Nikar, why is he doing this? Like, what the fuck is happening? He was telling me, yes, it's correct. He does this because of this, 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 and this. And even me, who am I, who am a top 64 player, I did not understand those plays. So to, me, so to the people who at some point think, oh, what a pepega, why did he do this stupid shit? It's not that easy. It's really mm-hmm. not that easy. There's lots of lines that go deep, 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 and deeper. The higher, like, you'd think somebody who plays in top 64 has a, understands everything about the game, but even somebody at my level didn't understand something that the top of the top understood, you know? Yeah, it actually reminds yeah. me of the situation during World Masters number one, which was actually held last year. Mm-hmm. And um, Life Coach was playing against Tailbot, and during one of the matches, like Life Coach went for something um, that's called Tempo Pass. So uh, he 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 co- committed his leader and a lot of things round one to just get ahead uh, and uh, secure 
long round three and people were just mm. criticizing him like yeah why, why is he still playing he doesn't understand the game he doesn't know when to pass and Teobot was really really struggling to to win that round and in the end life coach went for a 3-0 mm-hmm. and, and and this is this shows exactly what you what you talk about people in chat don't understand the game and neither do i for that matter but when i see you know somebody playing at, at that level I automatically assume that even when something happens that might be weird for me, they are doing that for a reason. Well, I'm not going to call out names, but what disappointed me is not just people in chat. What disappointed me is some pro players made some very bad takes. Not pro players, pro streamers. Like, I'm not going to call out names, but I saw a streamer. uh, I never watched him before. I think he came back to the game earlier. And I saw two of his comments in chat during CDPR, and I saw because of the certified... It was such a shit take. It was such a bad fucking take. And you have an audience. You have a public. And you weren't. He wasn't saying, "Oh, I think it is like." He was saying, "Oh, what the fuck is he doing? What a shit play." I was like, "Bro, come on! You're not only are you saying, not only are you a streamer. You have an audience, and you have a responsibility to not criticize other people like that. You also are wrong. You're also wrong. You're also objectively wrong." And uh, and like and if you call a play, do it in a respectful manner. Uh, don't just say, "Oh, it's a shit play." He would have won if he did it otherwise. That's not how it works. The player on the open probably understands better. Of course, there are nerves, and of course, he can be wrong. No, it wasn't Spyro. It wasn't Spyro. <laughs> uh, Spyro is actually a pretty good commentator. Spyro is actually on point with most of the things he says. Uh, he's salty on his own stream, but as a caster, I think uh, Spiro is a pretty good caster. Um, but, but I yeah. think from from the from the games that I saw, it it was mostly chat. I don't think the casters. There were situations where the casters did realize that they weren't fully grasping what was happening, mm-hmm. but they were never like, "Okay, this is really bad." They, okay, uh, okay. They never go. It, it's always. I think it usually originates from chat. Okay. Okay. Um, I see. And the the the, ca- the casters are always clear. I think on on when they 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 don't understand it. They're honest about that. At least the games that I saw. I'm thinking um, maybe I should actually give the name because now people are gonna speculate and say I'm calling out other people when I'm not, or should I not? I don't know. You can. <laughs> it, it was Zio Marus. It was Zio Marus. Uh, he was making some pretty bad calls. I, I might get his name wrong. He's an Italian streamer, I think. Uh, but I saw he had quite an audience because I didn't watch him. I never saw him stream before, but for the past two or three days, he had like a decent audience. And he was like making really bad explanations on... Uh, he was saying, oh, uh, why did Magpie shuffle uh, with the practitioner spam? Why did he not shuffle truffle when it was obviously not possible in that situation? It was just not possible. And he was like going on on Mag- going in on Magpie doing this stuff, and I was very surprised. Again, not to call him out or anything. He might be a cool guy. I don't have anything against him, but uh, he it was just an example of a good pro player making a bad call. In and and then saying, "Oh, well, yeah, those players are bad." And I saw other people, other pro players, other top sixty-four players saying, "Oh, those guys played so badly." That's what what I'm trying to say is that. Even if you're a good player, and I'm sure he's a good player, I'm not saying he's not. He's a fantastic player, I'm sure. And I'm also saying I'm a good player. But even I don't fully understand what those top of the top players are doing. So it's it's good when you call out a play to at least 
uh, do it while questioning, not in a, oh, it's just like that. Just question yeah. it. Yeah, Could just, he have well, done this? Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's also a completely different situation in an open where the deck lists are completely visible. There's going to be lines and plays as a as a casual player or, or even further in the, in the top 64 that you're not completely aware of that those people just continuously practice on and they they know what they're doing yeah that, that's just how it is like um i again i feel I, I i absolutely do not want to call out anyone i would probably would have probably done the same thing I, I got very lucky that I was casting with uh, with one of the best players in the world, and he was there to show me the line that I wasn't seeing. Um, but it's just a lesson for all of us, myself included, that when you don't understand something, uh, it's better to wait and uh, see a good player analyze it, a top player, or even the person himself. Like, of course, misplays happen. For example, what Puzzle did during his final, it still hurts my soul because Puzzle is a friend and I really wanted him to go to the Open. That was a straight-up throw. He, he admitted it himself. The nerves got to him. It happens, right? Puzzle versus Magpie for those of you who watch the game. Like, I, I'm not saying this to be mean to Puzzle. It's the opposite, actually. I was... Um, I was... I was rooting for him so hard and I, I was hurt when those plays happened because I really wanted him to win. Um, some misplays happen and sometimes, sometimes good players misplay and sometimes good players take a line that you don't understand. So the best thing to do is to hold on to judgment and wait for them to explain at least their reasoning on what happened. Mm -hmm. Right on. Uh, moving on to the next question, and this is going to be a fairly short segment, unless we keep ranting about things, obviously. Um, I'm ranting huh? because I actually have to go soon, so I cannot... <laughs> I'm um, sorry about that. Yeah, it's, 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 normally we only go for about two hours. Right now we are already at two hours and 12 minutes. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, I speak so too let's much. Keep it, uh, we are digressing a lot. It's also, yeah. it's also nice. Don't worry about that. Um, did you did you uh, help Gandalf prep for a tournament? I did, not. You did, I did not. not. I did not. I was mostly streaming, so I, I I did not take part in the prep this time. I mean, we did scream Gandhi top a lot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was, no, it was I more, did not, I moral did not moral support. And yeah, moral support was big. On top of willing to play during an open, uh, what are your ambitions when it comes to the competitive scene? Honestly, um, honestly, my last uh, performance in top 64 was extremely disappointing for me. I think I had the la so basically I'm good at building lineups. I think uh, I played it th during three qualifiers. During the first one, I had a fantastic tech card that helped me with that that put my lineup just straight up ahead of almost every lineup. Other elder blood boys copied it as well uh, because I, I told them in secret about it. I had a good meta read. I was like, I know people are going to be bringing Angulem. I'm going to put a tech card to punish it. We saw it after After that, all the people did it as well during the Open, the top players. But I did it before them. I did it before them. I already teched an artifact to play on Angulem. But the nerves got to me and I, I crumbled under pressure. That's exactly what happened. So I was disappointed. I was like, okay, second time, this is not going to happen. Problem is, second time I had to play qualifiers during a bachelor's party bachelor's weekend so uh, i was not in the best condition to play let's just say my lineup was bad but at least the nerves were fine so i was like okay third time i know i know i 
I completely, I am above most people there in terms of lineup and in terms of plays. Again, not to sound elitist, but I have the level to get it to day, day two. I, I absolutely have the level. Again, I made a, a fantastic meta read. I had, again, in all modesty, one of the best lineups available in top 64. I brought uh, Syndicate with uh, Teen Boy, which put, me, which put me ahead of almost everybody. I was automatically winning the Syndicate mirrors because of that card. Again, I had a very good meta read. To the point where Pajabol and um, I think it was Lerio. It was Pajabol for sure. The second one, I don't remember. Might have been Lerio, might have been someone else. Took the idea uh, for day two and for the open. They kept the idea of Teen Boy. To tell you that I had a good meta read, actually. Um, and I couldn't make it because of like one, I was one win short and uh, I felt like it was the time for me to get to day two. So my ambitions right now during my last qualifiers were to get to day two because I think I absolutely had the level to do it. But now I cannot say my ambition is to get to day two because I feel I can do better. So my ambition right now is to make it to the open. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be trying very hard to make it to the open. Uh, might happen, might not, but I'm definitely going to try. Yeah, so we can all yell Gabin top next time. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> all right. Um, I think we can we can wrap it up by uh, just just letting you talk a bit about what about yourself, uh, where you're coming from, how the, how you you got into Gwent and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so uh, I am Gabanito. I am from Georgia, the little country. I speak French, Russian, uh, Georgian, and English. Uh, I stream in those languages as well. Uh, not much to say about myself, honestly. I like Gwent. I've been playing since uh, since beta. Uh, but what really got me into the competitive scene is joining Team Elderblood, because before that, I didn't even know there was a top 64 or something. I was only playing for the titles. You know the top 200 titles? Those are the, yeah. I was only tryharding to get those. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. You can catch my stream at uh, Twitch.tv/gabain22. Uh, you will see no Renfrey on that stream. You will see no cheesy strats on that stream. I didn't play Priestess. I don't play Renfrey. I'm not gonna play Cat. I'm not gonna play all this kind of. You're gonna see some ethical high-level gameplay. You're also gonna see me mauled. You're gonna see me scream a lot. You're gonna see. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're gonna see something you enjoy. Uh, and I guess that's all I can say about myself. I am also very thankful for you guys inviting me. I, as you probably could tell, I love talking a bit too much. Uh, I always have stuff to say. I never, uh, I never, uh, summer, I'm, I'm never short on ideas. I, I talk too much, so I apologize for that. I know uh, it was a bit longer than expected, but I, I hope it was still fun for you guys. And it was fun for me, certainly. It yeah, absolutely was. It was a blast having you on the show, Gabane. Well, it was a pleasure. It was and a pleasure. before we end, Trovi, our viewers, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, as always, um, you can find me on both YouTube and Twitch under TroviNut, so that's D-R-O-V-N-U-T, um, where I'll probably get around to making another deck guide because it's been a while, uh, mostly because of the, the stuff at work and then combining this with the podcast. But I should be getting to a new deck out by the, the beginning of next week. Nice. All right. 
And when it comes to me, um, you are already on my channel, twitch.tv slash Weisenberg. So if you like the content I am providing or we are providing as much of Novigrad, you can follow us here. If you want to stay in touch off stream, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is WeisenbergMON, which stands for Merchants of Novigrad. Or you can follow our Merchants of Novigrad related channels, Novigrad Podcast on Twitter and Merchants of Novigrad on YouTube and Spotify. This episode is going to be uploaded uh, on all platforms either later today or tomorrow. Uh, so keep an eye out. And yeah, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for chatting, asking questions. Gabain and Tro Trovi, thanks for uh, doing this episode with me. It was a pleasure. Like a pleasure, indeed. Enjoy the rest Thank of your Sunday, you. and we'll see you Thank guys you. later. You. Have a nice Sunday, everyone. Saturday and Sunday. Bye. <laughs>